Welcome to Sound Solutions, a series of free audio tapes produced by Braille Institute of America. The tape you are listening to and all the others in the series provide practical information to adults and their families who are dealing with sight loss. The professional staff and many of the students at Braille Institute collaborated to provide the information, tips, and practical solutions to living life independently in spite of sight loss. As you listen to This New Old House, think about the ways you can apply the techniques that are presented. You may want to enlist the help of a sighted friend or family member to help you get started. Remember, the goal is to discover ways to live life as independently as possible. We believe you can do it. Hello, and welcome to This New Old House. I'm your host, Rob Wheeler. Ordinarily on this show, we talk about home repair and remodeling, but today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We've heard from a number of listeners with vision loss. They all talk about the difficulties of managing a house when you can't see as well as you used to. That wonderful old curio cabinet you bought at a yard sale can be the cause of stubbed toes and bruised arms. Those dining room chairs you want on the game show can seem to leap out just to try and trip you. Even normal day-to-day home care can be hazardous and challenging. So today, we'll be exploring what is known as adaptive home management. Adapting your home and the way it works to accommodate the changes in your vision. We'll be joined, as always, by Chet, this new old house's resident handyman, fix-it guy, and general expert on things. How's it going today, Chet? Good, good, Rob. Everything's going great. Good. Glad to hear it. Some of the tips we're going to be giving you today are going to fit your needs exactly. Some will take a bit of adjustment, but... By using your mind, your imagination, and your creativity, you'll learn to develop ideas of your own to answer the specific needs of your home. Let me start by telling you three words that describe basic concepts you'll be hearing a lot about on this show. They are simplicity, organization, and routine. Most of the tips and techniques we'll be discussing today fall into one of these categories. In a nutshell, if you simplify things in your home by getting rid of any uh, unnecessary or unused items, organize the things you do need and use in an efficient and easy way, and then develop routines by which you perform certain tasks and use certain items, you will learn how to move through and manage your house with grace, confidence, and assuredness. Now, let's start looking at some home management techniques in action. We'll be visiting three friends of mine, all with different vision problems, and touring their adaptive home improvements. And what better place to start than right at the front door? First, we're going to meet my friend Ben. Ben is partially sighted and has just begun adapting his house to make it more manageable. Hi, Ben. How are you today? Oh, Rob, I... I'm doing great, thanks. Well, good. How's your home management project coming? Well, uh, there's a lot to do, but you know, I'm real excited about the improvements. Please, come on in. Thanks. Oh, there's Chet. How's it going there, Chet? Good, good. Going good. Just finishing up this hook. Yeah, I I see you've installed a hook inside the front door and uh, just to the left, uh, above a small table. Can you tell me about that? It's for Ben's keys. That's right. Uh, You know, as I come in the front door, my right hand can immediately feel that little table, which is where I keep my white cane. Now, I use the collapsible kind, and when it's folded up, it fits there perfectly. 
Now I can easily find that hook above the table and hang up my keys, so I always know where they are. Chet, I notice you've chosen a fairly large black plastic hook, and you've put it fairly low, just above waist level. Any reason for that? Nope, none at all. Why would you put it if you didn't have a? Re- <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the plastic hook has a larger arm and soft, rounded edges, so it's easier to feel, and there's less danger of Ben hurting himself on it. It's black because the walls are white, and the contrasting color makes it easier to see. Yeah, you know, contrasting colors come up all the time in these techniques. Right. The low placement is a safety measure as well. It's away from Ben's head and face if he should fall. Also, the table acts as a bumper. And if I miss the hook, my keys are more likely to fall right onto that table.、Uh, from higher up, they would bounce off onto the floor and be much harder to find. That's very smart. Thanks. It was Ben's idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ben, tell me, these adaptive techniques that you're working on,、uh, did you come up with all of them on your own? Oh, good heavens, no. I'm lucky because there's a blind service organization right here downtown. I'm taking their home management course. It's amazing. So much of it is just plain old common sense. Just do whatever works. Every time I go, by the end of the class, I'm itching to come home and try to put some of the things I've learned into practice. Well, you know, unfortunately, not everyone lives so close to a place like that. True, but you'd be surprised by what's out there, Rob. Asking your doctor for any services or referrals he may know about is a good place to start. Some senior centers offer classes or lectures on vision loss issues, and it's helpful to talk with other people who've lost their sight and ask what works for them. Heck, find somebody with a computer and do a search on the internet for blindness and your city or state. That's a great idea.、Uh, so Ben, why don't you show us what you're doing in the living room? You two go ahead. I've got a couple of things to get to in the den in the hallway. Okay, Chad. We'll catch up with you in a bit. Righto. Okay, folks. Now we're in the large combination living and dining room. It's a lovely room, by the way, Ben. Oh, thanks. Tell me, what adaptive home management techniques are you working on in here? Well, Rob, you know it's kind of embarrassing to run into things and trip over things in your own home. So I've begun doing a little clutter removal and rearranging some furniture. Clutter removal. Oh yes, yeah. I have to admit, I'm a collector. I've traveled quite a bit over the years, and my living room was literally stuffed with knickknacks and tchotchkes and bric-a-brac. <laughs> Sounds like my place. <laughs> oh, you know, I love all that stuff, but it, well, it made walking around the room pretty complicated. You know, if I bumped into an end table and spent, I'd spend the next half an hour down on my hands and knees. Peeling around for glass frogs and porcelain angels and little metal replicas of the Chrysler Building—it's <laughs> very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, imagine. So, did you have to throw all that stuff away? Oh no, not at all. But I did put quite a bit of it in storage. But you know, the pieces that I still really wanted to display, I just moved over to the top of that cabinet on the far wall. That way, I don't knock into anything and risk breaking or losing something valuable. Like my Mona Lisa made of seashells. <laughs> well, no, you sure don't want to lose that. Oh no, sir! <laughs> I also packed up and put away all the other extraneous stuff around the room, all the freestanding picture frames, except for the one of my grandkids, a table lighter that didn't work anyway, and a couple of old bowling trophies. 
And now the only things that are out are things that I need and use all the time. I see. So you started by simplifying. You know, you also mentioned rearranging some furniture. How did you determine what you needed to move? In my class, we learned to make mental pictures. I pictured my daily routines and traffic patterns and determined some of my problem areas. Well, for instance, <laughs> I kept walking into the coffee table. Oh, you should see the bruises on my shin. <laughs> I realized that just by putting the couch and the coffee table on a slight angle and to the left about a foot, I cleared the path to the front door and to the kitchen and the den. And I haven't walked into that coffee table since. <laughs> you know, I, I have the same problem with the chairs around the dining table, so I bought some inexpensive cloth napkins in a contrasting color. Now I'm going to drape them over the backs of the chairs so I can see them a little better and avoid running into them. Oh, that's great, Ben. Uh, anything else on uh, walkways or traffic patterns? Yes. I moved my reading lamp to the other side of the easy chair so I don't have to maneuver around it to sit in my chair or get to the bookshelf behind it. Oh, yes. Oh, and also you'll notice that the carpet in the living room is a light color, so I've gotten a couple of dark-colored throw rugs to mark my walkway. Oh, yeah, you know, throw rugs are great, and some people use carpet runners. They're not only helpful as visual aids, but they're wonderful tactile aids as well. At night or in low-light situations, your feet will learn to feel the difference between the throw rugs and the carpet, and they'll help keep you on your chosen path. Many people use double-sided tape or small flat-headed tacks to keep them in place. You'll want to make sure they're laid down flat and securely. Otherwise, they can easily bunch up and, and make a whole new traffic nightmare. I'm going to try that. Thanks. You know, Rob, I'm having trouble on the stairs. What can I do there? I don't think throw rugs would work too well. Stairs are a bit tougher, but there are things you can do. The most important thing is to identify the first step and the last step. Make sure that both are well lit and put a contrasting floor mat on each landing as a visual and tactile aid. You might also put strips of colored tape on the edge of each step. Some contrast on the rail is also helpful, and the railing can be extended slightly at each end so that your hand can find it before you're actually at the first step. Just go slowly and carefully and keep a firm hold on that handrail each and every time you use the stairs. Good thinking. Thanks. So, Ben, we've got you moving around the room easily with fewer obstacles and some visual and tactile aids to help guide you. Let's take a look at a couple of other things in the room. Uh, I notice that most of the bookshelves in here are empty. Were they all filled with those knickknacks you were talking about earlier? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I just love to read. Well, I first started to lose my vision uh, almost six years ago, but it didn't get bad until about two years ago. I was afraid my reading days were over, but then I learned about large print books and talking books. I still see well enough to read the large print, and the talking books are terrific, kind of like listening to old-time radio drama. So I packed away a lot of my old regular print books to make room for my new library, and I've left a special spot on one shelf for my talking book machine. Uh-huh. I knew we'd get to it. What? My three concept words. You use simplification all over the place with the knickknacks and the books, you used routine to determine traffic patterns for the furniture adjustments and the throw rugs. I was wondering when you'd get to something that needed to be organized. Ah, the books, of course. 
well, my old books were just sort of haphazard, mostly placed the way they, they looked best on the shelves. <laughs> well, I sure can't do that anymore. So, any ideas? Well, I suppose I could set up sections, fiction in one bookcase, non-fiction in another. Within that, I would think alphabetical by title. And to make it even easier, you might think about getting large peel-off plastic labeling letters to put on the spine of the first book of each letter. They'd be easier for you to see right now, and if your vision decreases or in low light situations, they'll make excellent tactile aids as well. That way, if you're looking for war and peace, for example, using those letters as either a visual or a tactile aid, you could go right to the W's. <laughs> a large print war and peace, huh? I'd throw my back out just trying to lift that off the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll bet you could get it in several volumes. <laughs> you know, Ben, I, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, but first, I have to tell. You, your enthusiastic attitude about all these adjustments is is really amazing. You know, the physical and emotional trauma of losing one's sight is enormous, and I know that many many people suffer deep and serious depression. But you are so positive, so productive, and energetic. How did you manage to avoid that depression trap? Well, I'm not sure you can avoid depression, Rob. Believe me, I went through it. All those feelings of loss, fear, anger, feeling useless. Well, I was afraid to go out. I stayed in my pajamas and robe for more than six months. The key is finding your way through it and moving on. A big part of what brought me around was doing things like, well, taking the class on home management. I don't mean to say that I snapped out of my depression overnight, but. Over the next few months, as I learned a little about what was possible and available to me, well, <laughs> excuse the bad pun, but I quite literally saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, of course, I still get frustrated and depressed sometimes, but I guess somehow I learned to think of vision loss as a challenge rather than a barrier. Also, these days, I don't have time to spend being depressed. I have too much to do, like getting these home management techniques in place so I can sit down with the large print War and Peace Volume One. Well, you're quite a guy, Ben. Thank you for talking about what you went through so so openly. I'm sure that some of our listeners have experienced some of the very same things. Well, you know they wouldn't be human if they didn't.、Mm. So, back to home management. You know, you mentioned moving your reading lamp a minute ago, and I I thought we could talk a little bit about light and lighting in general. Sure. You know, different causes and varying degrees of sight loss can affect our reaction to light in many different ways. For some people, the problem is too little light. For some, the problem is too much. For others, it's moving from dark to light or light to dark that causes the trouble. Well, my vision loss is certainly affecting my response to light, but. I also seem to be getting more sensitive to light as I get older. Is that possible? Oh, absolutely. You know, as we age, it seems we become much more sensitive to glare, in particular. Sometimes glare is caused by too bright a bulb. Sometimes the glare is caused by the light's reflection.、Uh, your reading lamp, for example. My eyes do seem to get tired more quickly than they used to when I read. At first, I thought I was just straining to read standard print. But even with my large print books, I find myself blinking and squinting quite a bit. You know, it could be that the reflection of the bulb off of the bright white of the page is causing glare. 
Try using a lower wattage bulb, or try focusing your reading light a little to the side instead of directly onto the book. Aha!、Uh-huh. Glare, you know, can also cause difficulty when you're working on hobbies or crafts like、uh, you know crochet, needlepoint, beading, any other little detail work like that. This is often caused by the work surface. A highly polished table or countertop, or especially a glass table or countertop, can reflect too much of the light, causing glare. For this, try putting a piece of cloth or a placemat down on the surface of your workspace. Okay.、Uh, where else can glare be an issue? Floors, shiny floors, especially white or light-colored tile or linoleum floors. Like many floors found in kitchens and bathrooms, they can also cause glare. If this is a problem for you, try lowering the light in the room either with lower wattage bulbs or by installing dimmer switches. Did someone say dimmer switches? Hey, Chet, welcome back. Thanks. Yes, you know we're talking about lighting, and I was telling Ben that dimmers can be a very good option. Very true. In fact, I just installed one in the den. Great, thanks. No problem. Dimmers are not expensive, usually around ten dollars. Any hardware store or even some supermarkets will carry them. Some are just simple adapters that you can plug the fixture into. Well,、uh, let me clarify that a little bit, Chet. The adapters you're talking about are good for floor or for desk lamps. They usually have either、uh, slider controls or they're touch sensitive and、uh, dim down in two or three steps, which gives you good control in the variety of light in the room. But Most overhead lights will require a dimmer switch that needs to be installed. Good point, Rob. Electricity, of course, can be dangerous, and installing switches involves circuit breakers and exposed wires. If you don't have at least some experience with it, don't mess with it. Get some help. But dimmers aren't too tough. A sighted friend or neighbor can probably do it for you. You don't need to hire an electrician. That's good advice, Chad. Thanks. Okay, back to lighting and glare. We were talking about glare on shiny tile or linoleum floors. If lower wattage bulbs don't solve the problem, you might consider placing mats or low pile area rugs over some or all of the shiny floor. Depending on the kind of flooring you have, it might be as simple as not using floor wax or polish. A, a duller, flatter surface not only reduces glare, but it tends to be less slippery, so you're less likely to fall. My kitchen has a lot of windows, and it can get pretty sunny and bright in there with none of the lights turned on. So I guess I have to get more area rugs. Not necessarily. You could hang some shades or shutters in the windows. Even sheer fabric curtains can sometimes cut the glare while still allowing light to come in. Speaking of curtains, I often have trouble in the living room if my curtains are open. But that's carpeted. Now, what can I do about that, Rob? Well, you know, Ben, glare is not just a problem for shiny surfaces. The light color of your living room carpeting could be reflective enough to be causing the glare. And it might not even be exclusively a glare problem. Sunlight shining through trees or fences can sometimes throw shadows right into the room. And as the sun moves, the shadows move. Yeah, you know, add a bit of wind or breeze outside, and the shadows inside can begin to move and sway by themselves. This can be very disturbing and disorienting to someone with vision problems. If your carpet or wallpaper has a pattern in it, it can be even worse. You may need to figure out at what hours the sunlight causes any of these problems, and keep your curtains closed during that time. That's a heck of a lot cheaper than buying new wallpaper and carpeting. You know, remember, Ben. Most of these problems can be corrected very simply and inexpensively. Another thing to remember about lighting issues: everyone is different. Some vision problems cause the pupil to dilate more slowly, making sudden shifts from light to dark harsh and disorienting. 
You know, one of the other students in my home management class had that problem. The teacher told her to make sure that there were light switches or floor lamps as close to the door of each room as possible, so that she wouldn't have to walk halfway across a dark room to turn on a lamp. Oh, that's excellent. And another thing that I learned in my class is to see lights in a different way. Hmm. How do you mean? Well, you see those track lights I have running down the hall. They look great. Thanks. I don't use them for the light that they throw. I look right at the fixtures to navigate. They keep me walking straight and help me mentally map doorways, light switches, and outlets. Oh, I see. So someone with similar vision might say put a lamp on a piano to mark it, or on the top shelf of a bookcase to help identify an arch or doorway. Exactly. Oh, that's great, Ben. Hey, listen. Thank you so much for showing us what you've already done and for sharing your plans and your goals for your home. No, no, thank you. I got some wonderful new tips myself. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Oh, and thank you, Chet, for the key hook and the dimmer. What dimmer? Oh, uh, well, I I thought you said you gotcha. Oh, <laughs> oh Chet. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Chet. We'll see you at our next stop. Righto, Rob. Okay. You take care, Ben. And then, listen. Thanks again. Okay. Bye, bye. So long, folks. <laughs> We talked about a lot of very useful techniques at Ben's house, things that apply all over the house. Some other rooms have particular needs, though. So next, let's stop at my friend Katie's house for a talk about bedrooms and bathrooms. Now, Katie has macular degeneration. While Ben has some clarity in his central vision, Katie's central vision is blurred and disjointed. And many people with macular degeneration describe what they see as twisted. Well, Katie. You've been using home management techniques for a while now, but、uh, you told me you'd recently added a few touches. Right. Well, this is an ongoing process, and being open to continuing changes is probably pretty important, right? Yes, Rob. But to me, the most important thing is to have a place for everything and to keep everything in its place. Organization. That's the name of the game. Uh huh. I thought I'd just show you the ways I manage my bedroom and bathroom, and I'll point out the new things as we come to them. Okay? You bet. Well, we're standing right next to the closet, so let's start with that. Here's my first new touch. Oh. Yep, had a light installed. It's up there, just above the closet door, and the pull string runs down through a couple of eye bolts to keep it right here along the edge of the door frame. Oh, I'll bet that's a big help for you. Oh yes, it helps me judge the height of the hanging bar, and. It's hung in the center of the closet, so it also helps orient me, so I can find what I want. On the left side, I hang outfits together, you know, skirt, blouse, jacket, or what have you,、mm -hmm. on the same hanger. I also put accessories, belts, scarves, and such on that same hanger. Oh! I even put particular pieces of jewelry right in the pocket of the outfit. Really? Now, if the outfit doesn't have a pocket, that's okay. I safety pin a small plastic bag to the hanger. And they go in there. Well, that's great. That must save you a lot of time. A place for everything, and everything in its place. Next to the hangers at the center of the closet, I have a hanging shoe storage unit. It's made out of white plastic, which makes good contrast with my shoes, which are mostly dark. It also puts my shoes at a convenient height.、Mm -hmm. You see, on the right side of the closet, I hang my separates, divided into dresses, skirts, tops, and jackets, and wraps. And my dresser is organized in a similar way. 
The top drawer has all my undergarments. And see, the next has my foldable shirts and blouses, shirt sleeve on the left, long sleeve on the right. Mm -hmm. Sweaters are in the third drawer, pullover on the left, cardigan on the right. And the bottom drawer has an extra blanket for the bed. That's great. Katie, I I see you use dividers in the drawers as well. Yes. That helps me keep things in their place and keeps the drawers tidier. Again... The key word is organization. Organization. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also very important to put things back in their place every single time you use them. Organization and routine. Uh, shall we move on? Sure. Let me tell you a couple of things about the bed. Mm-hmm. You'll see that it has a footboard. Mm-hmm. Now, many people who have lost their sight see their footboard as a hazard, and they remove it. Mm-hmm. I find mine useful as a support and to orient myself in the room. But I make my bed in such a way that part of the comforter covers the sharp edges of the footboard. Of course, that means I gotta make that bed every single day so I'm protected. On Friday, I change the sheets. Really? Is that difficult for you? Oh, no, not at all. I have safety pins in the middle of the head and foot of the bed on the side of the mattress. I fold my sheets in half lengthwise and put a safety pin at the fold on top and bottom. When I'm putting on clean linens, I just match up the safety pins to get the sheets centered, then use my sense of touch to walk around the bed, smoothing and tucking the edges of the sheet under the mattress. Same process for the blanket and comforter, and voila! Freshly made bed. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Tell me about that tray on your nightstand. It's a little handyman's tray I found at a dime store. I use the compartments on one side for my nighttime medications, a small box of tissues, and some sugarless fruit candies. Mm -hmm. On the other side are places for the remote control and the little cup of water I bring to bed for my pills. Behind the tray, I have a gooseneck lamp. The dimmer switch for it is taped to the corner of the table so I can find it easily. Below the night table are my slippers and a small trash basket. Katie, I noticed that your slippers are the type that have backs on them. Yes. The slip-on kind slip off a little too easily. (laughs) Then they're just something else to trip over. Right. Of course, I only wear slippers at bedtime in the morning or if I have to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. The rest of the time, I wear shoes. Flats or very low heels work best for me, and I prefer rubber soles. Leather soles can be rubberized at any shoe repair place, and it's not very expensive. I never walk around in socks or stockings. They're far too slippery and could easily cause a fall. You know, Katie, you're really using your home management techniques beautifully in your bedroom, and being so well organized seems to give you great confidence. And comfort. One of the most difficult things for me about losing my sight was feeling lost and disoriented all the time. The fear I felt about that, not since I had nightmares as a child. But having things organized and keeping them organized helps place me in my house and helps keep me oriented to my surroundings. Well, shall we move on to the bathroom? Certainly. On the way, I'll show you my next new touch. Excellent. Come on out in the hall. My hallway isn't too long and the bathroom isn't all that far away, but at night in the dark... I might as well have to walk to Borneo. (laughs) So I got a couple of inexpensive timers and put them on two lamps. This one just outside my bedroom and that other one down by the bathroom. Mm -hmm. They go on at 6 each night and off at 6 each morning. 
The lamps have fairly low wattage bulbs in them, so it isn't a harsh transition from my dark bedroom. And it gives me enough light to get down to the bathroom if I wake up in the middle of the night. And you know, a little light coming from your windows at night is also a good security measure. And I notice that they even throw some light right onto the bathroom door.、Mm-hmm. Let's go on down there now, so you can show me the bathroom. Oh, may I say something about doors? Of course. This is a general rule that applies all over the house, and I can't stress enough how important it is. Doors and drawers should always be either fully open or fully closed, and I'm talking about all doors, room doors, front and back doors, closet and cupboard doors, everything. Open doors can be very annoying and very dangerous. You can bump into them, stub toes on them, hit your head on them. I'm not sure. But I bet they're the most common cause of household accidents for blind people. Always, always, always close doors, drawers, and cabinets. That's a very good point, Katie. You know, especially in places like the bathroom or the kitchen, where there are often several doors of varying sizes and heights. Exactly. Anyway, shall we go into the bathroom now? Sure. Well, I'd know that sound anywhere, Chet. You know, you always pop up when I'm least expecting you. <laughs> Just trying to keep you on your toes, Rob. <laughs> so, what are you up to in here? My next new thing: look in the tub and shower. Oh, grab bars! That's terrific. Hey, really nice job, Chet. Actually, Katie already had both horizontal and vertical bars in there. I had them installed last week. But I recommended we add one on a diagonal too, so that there's something for her to grab onto quickly. No matter how she happens to be standing, that's good thinking, Chet. That's why I make the big bucks. I feel so much more secure just knowing they're there. I already had those non-skid appliques on the bottom of both tub and shower. You know, appliques are not only excellent safety devices to keep you from slipping; they're also very good visual or tactile aids for the tub or shower. You know me, Rob. I could stand here and talk about appliques all day long, but I got to get back to the workshop. I got things to do. Okay, Chet. I'll see you back there a little later. Bye, Chet, and thanks. Righto. What a guy. So, Katie, tell me about that colored tape on the tub. I have two strips of dark tape to help me with the tub. The one on the edge helps me step in and out more safely, and the one on the inside wall of the tub is to keep it from overfilling.、Uh, how does that work? My sense of touch.、Hmm. Every few minutes, as I run the water, I come over and touch that tape. When I feel the water getting close to the bottom of the tape, my bath is ready. That's very good.、Uh, can you show us how you organize your toiletries? Sure. In the shower, both the shampoo and cream rinse I like to use come in tall, round plastic bottles. No way to distinguish them. So even though the shampoo always goes on the left and the cream rinse always goes on the right, a place for everything and everything in its place. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I put a rubber band around the middle of the cream rinse so I can also feel the difference between them.、Oh. Mm-hmm. And I've given up bar soap completely. Really? Oh yes. It's too slippery, too easy to drop, too hard to find. Now I use one of those liquid body soaps. The bottle hooks right over the shower head, so there's no losing it or confusing the bottle for something else. Okay.、Uh, how have you organized the medicine chest and the cabinet under the sink? To begin with, I don't keep all my cleaning products together. Really? 
No, I put the products I need close to where I need them. So in the cabinet are the things I use for the sink, counter, and mirrors. The tub and shower cleaner are in a small plastic trash can just outside the shower. Mm -hmm. The toilet cleanser and brush are next to the toilet. If I can't tell cleaning product containers apart by shape or size, I use a rubber band just like on the cream rinse. Right. For instance, the window cleaner and counter cleaner are very similar bottles. I keep them in alphabetical order, but just to be sure, I have a rubber band around the window cleaner. Well, now, how do you know when something needs to be cleaned? I never need to know because everything always gets cleaned. I clean the tub or shower each time I use them, and I even clean and wipe down the sink and counter every time I use them. Hmm. It only takes a few minutes, and I use my sense of touch to make sure they're clean when I'm finished. Every time? Every time. Keeping things clean also helps keep me confident. If I know there's no perfume bottles left out on the counter for me to knock over and there's no big glob of toothpaste for me to stick my hand into, I can move around more quickly and easily. And the sooner I'm done in the bathroom, the sooner I can get out to my garden. (laughs) Well, okay. So where are the perfume bottles? Second drawer to the left under the sink. Alphabetized. (laughs) In the first drawer, I keep everything else. Also alphabetized. My brush, then my comb, then my hairspray. Mm -hmm. The same goes for the medicine cabinet. Of course, I keep the pills that I have to take every morning down in the kitchen and the ones that I have to take every night in my little night tray. Mm -hmm. But in each place, all medications are alphabetized. And I use peel-off plastic letters as a tactile label on the bottles. A for my arthritis pills, H for my heart pills, B for blood pressure, and so on. Just like Ben is going to do on his books. Well, Katie, home management skills really seem to be working well for you. Rob, I can't tell you the difference it makes knowing where things are and how to find them. It really makes me feel like I'm back in control of my life. Tell me, did you find these things difficult or expensive to do? Oh, no. Just about everything you might need is available in hardware or stationery stores and is fairly inexpensive. Most of it I did by myself or with the help of a sighted friend. Like me? Chet, I thought you went back to the workshop. I did, but I left my tape measure in Katie's shower. Hey, that's a song. I left my tape Chet. measure Dad. in Katie's shower. Chet, 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 Chet. What did we say about you singing on the show? Sorry. Katie, I'm sorry for interrupting you. You were talking about how wonderful friends like me help you. That's right, Chet. Of course, there are some things that I just couldn't do by myself, even with help, like installing the closet light. I hired a handyman to come in and do it, but I planned ahead. Saved up several little things like that and pre-bought all the hardware and supplies I'd need so I could use his time efficiently. He did all those things for me in less than two hours. Wow. So, sure, I spent a few bucks, but I figure it's a lot less than I'd spend on an ambulance and a hospital visit if I fell in the shower and hurt myself. (laughs) True enough. There are alternatives to hiring a professional. Ask your friends and neighbors. One of them's bound to be handy with tools. A lot of senior centers, churches, or clubs have volunteers that can help. If not, they may be able to refer you to reduced-rate services. 
Well, it's time for us to be moving on. Thanks so much for showing us around, Katie. Not at all, Rob. And thanks for that extra grab bar, Chet. No problem. I'll send you a bill. Chet. Gotcha. Oh, man. (laughs) Thanks again, Katie. Bye, Rob. Bye, everybody. So far, we've looked at entryways, living rooms, bedrooms, and bathrooms. So we'll finish up in the kitchen. Next week's show is about decorative painting techniques, so Chet has gone back to the shop to practice his sponging. But we're going to stop in to see my friend Carol. Carol was blinded in a car accident 15 or 20 years ago. She lives now with her guide dog, Garbo. Today, Carol's going to show us around her kitchen and the way she uses home management techniques. Hi, Carol. Hey, Garbo. Uh, Is it all right for me to uh, pet her, Carol? Thanks for asking, Rob. It's okay to pet a guide dog as long as she's not working. Now, a good way to tell is by the harness. If the harness is on, she's probably working. Garbo isn't wearing hers right now, so you go right ahead. Oh, thanks. How you doing, girl? She says, I'd be doing better if you give me a treat. <laughs> right, Garbo? <laughs> well, I'd love to. Where are they? Well, in the plastic fire hydrant on the left counter. Here you go, Garbo. That a girl. So, Carol, how does having a guide dog impact on your home management techniques? Well, like everything else, it's a matter of organization and routine. Her bed and dishes are over here in this corner of the kitchen, and her food and brush are in the cabinet right next to her bed. Feeding, bathing, brushing, walking Garbo are all part of my daily routine. You know, I'd imagine your home management skills are pretty familiar to you by now. Oh, for years. (laughs) I wouldn't know any other way to do things. But by the same token, Rob, it is an ongoing process. After I had my hip replacement three, no, four years ago now, I couldn't stay on my feet as long, and I couldn't bend as easily. Well, I still love to cook. So I got this tall table and stool so I can sit up at counter level while I do my cutting and measuring, and I moved everything out of the cupboards below the counters so I wouldn't have to bend over so much meant some reorganizing, relabeling, so I still make changes. Well, but the ideas are all uh, still the same, though, right? Oh, of course, yeah. My pots, pans, dishes are in the first cupboard. Plates and glasses, although I only use plastic so I never have to deal with broken glass, are in the second. Everything is organized and labeled. I put canned goods and staples in that cupboard... Spice and tea in that one. Now, the canned goods, they're organized, they're categorized. Soups, vegetables, fruit, so on, and they're labeled. Same goes for everything in the fridge and freezer. Well, And and how are they labeled? And uh, how and when do they get labeled? Well, I read and write Braille and have a Dymo label maker which makes Braille labels, oh, it's made my life so much easier. You know, many people use rubber bands or strips of adhesive tape and develop their own sort of code, like horizontal strips of tape for fruits, vertical strips for vegetables, diagonal strips for soup, and within those categories, say, one strip for chicken soup, two for mushroom, three for vegetable, and so on. 
uh, in the fridge and freezer, it's the same thing. Alphabetizing, labeling. Many people use twist ties on freezer bags and identify the content by the number of ties or the way they're tied. Uh, partially sighted people can often use color to help with identifying. Oh, yes. One man I know plans out his menus each week on grocery day, so... If he wants, let's say, chicken, green beans, and rice pilaf for dinner, each of those things gets a blue tag. See? And then when he's ready for that meal, he just pulls the blue tagged items off each shelf. See, once you develop your own code and, and stick with it, it just becomes second nature. Oh, yeah. And as for when they get labeled, that is also an individual thing. See, I, I do my grocery shopping with my neighbor, Mrs. Castle. Yeah. She's sighted and helps me find the things I want in the store. She also helps me with my labeling and putting away when we get back. But I'm a better shopper and a better cook than she is, so I help her plan menus. Well, sometimes I'll help her cook things, too, and freeze them. So it works out very well for both of us. Now, Mrs. Malcolm down the street is also blind. She has her groceries delivered. But she arranges with the store manager to have them sent at a time when the store isn't too busy. See, so the delivery boy can spend a few minutes and tell her what's what. She'll have her labels or her tape or her rubber bands ready and, and just label things as he unloads. Mm. Uh, Carol, can you speak to our listeners about two potentially dangerous issues, hot water and working with your stove or oven? Oh, certainly. You know, even tap water can get hot enough to scald you pretty badly, and you have to be quite careful. Now, the best way I know to regulate water temperature is to turn the cold water on first, and then you add the hot slowly until you get the desired temperature. Now, here in the kitchen, I have a single control faucet, so I start with it all the way to cold, which is to the right, and I slowly move it over. Now, in the bathroom, I have dual control, so I turn on the cold faucet first, then slowly turn on the hot. Mm, that's a really good point. Oh, however, in terms of the stove, number one rule, of course, be Smart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If your stove is electric, just remember that the burners stay hot for some time after you turn the controls off. But if your stove is gas, the heat stops immediately, but you may have to learn to light them, and there's the possibility of a gas leak. So both kinds have pros and cons. But whichever you have, it's best if the controls are in the front of the stove so you don't have to reach across the burners. Yeah. You know, many people use their microwave ovens exclusively just to avoid those heat, gas, and uh, power problems. I use my microwave a lot. It's very convenient and has no real heat source to worry about. But cooking is my hobby, too. And <laughs> yeah, some of the more specialized things like... Sauteing and, and baking, they just work better on a conventional stove or oven. Well, when you're using them, how, how do you identify the various heat settings? Well, many stoves and oven controls make clicks as you turn them. You can learn to listen for or feel the clicks, and then you know what they mean. 
Some manufacturers make Braille overlays for their dials, though. That's what I've got. Yeah, and you know, even for people who don't read Braille, the raised dots can be a very useful tactile guide. Oh, you can also make your own raised dot markings using, a, you can use glue or nail polish, some peel and stick dots, but whatever you choose, make sure it's heat resistant. Oh, yes, absolutely. Safety first always. Uh-huh. Carol, let's talk about cleaning for a bit. Uh, should cleaning products be labeled the way you label food with rubber bands or tape? Well, well, for the most part, I can tell the cleaning supplies apart by size and shape of the bottle, you know, but, but if two containers are similar, oh yes, a rubber band around one of them does the trick. It's also very important to keep cleaning supplies stored away from your food and cookware. <laughs> it was one time, well this was years and years ago, I was going to scramble some eggs. So, I picked up what I thought was the PAM, and I sprayed Pledge all over my frying pan. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness, the smell when the heat hit that Pledge, whoa, it smoked, it smoked. I had to throw my frying pan away and get a new one. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) It is. I laugh, you know, but, but that scared me, you know. If it hadn't been something so obvious, you know, what what if I'd poured dish soap into soup or something and, and people ate it? Uh-huh. Well, that was the thing that made me decide to really get organized and to develop these systems that I use each and every time I'm in the kitchen. You know, it's very important to keep cleaners away from food and dishes, but you also need to keep them handy, don't you? Constant cleaning is so important, though. After every meal, I do the dishes, I clean the sink, and I wipe down all the countertops. And then I feel the counters and the dishes and everything with my fingers. I use my sense of touch to make sure it's clean. And doing this every time makes the entire kitchen easier to manage. Well, of course, it's healthier to keep everything extra clean, but it also really helps keep you organized, aware, and in control of your surroundings. By following that daily routine step-by-step every day, you can really stay on top of things. Uh, What about doing laundry? You're a grown man. Do your own laundry. No, no. I I, I meant... (laughs) I know. I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well... I use tactile markings on the washer and the dryer, just like on the stove. I have one raised dot for wash and wear and two dots for delicate. Those are the only settings I use. Mm. And water temperature is set by three buttons on the left. There's a hot, a warm, and a cold. Those I can tell easily by feel. Likewise, I have raised dots on the iron, marking the settings I use most frequently. Mm -hmm. I use a small cup and a funnel for filling the iron with water. Some people use a turkey baster. And my little neighbor, Sean, he put a shelf in the laundry room for me. It holds my detergent, my bleach, dryer sheets and stain remover, too, at just the right height. Well, Carol, thank you so much for the tour of your kitchen and for telling us about some of the routines that make home management work so well for you. My pleasure, Rob. And it's good to see you. You too. <laughs> you Now, you come right back one night next week. Let's see, I'll, 
I'll make you a nice dinner. Oh. How about uh, shrimp scampi? Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Bye, Carol. Bye, Garbo. Say goodbye, Garbo. <laughs> well, that's our show for today. My thanks again to Ben, Katie, and Carol for sharing so many great tips with us. If it's time for you to start using some home management techniques, start by getting in touch with your local blind service organization to find out what training or classes are available. Remember that almost all the materials you might need are fairly common and inexpensive and can be found in hardware stores, stationery stores, or do-it-yourself centers. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Remember, too, that the first concern is always safety. So, be careful, be methodical, be creative, and before you know it, you'll have made significant improvements in the way you manage your new old house. Goodbye, everybody. You've been listening to This New Old House, one of the audio tapes in the series Sound Solutions. We hope you found the information helpful for you, your family, and friends. These tapes are available free of charge from Braille Institute, a private, nonprofit organization committed to eliminating blindness and severe sight loss as a barrier to the fulfillment of life. Sound Solutions was made possible by the generosity of the H.N. and Francis Berger Foundation, the Fritz B. Burns Foundation, and from thousands of individuals. If you would like more information about anything you heard in this tape, about other tapes in the series, or about Braille Institute, please call our toll-free number, 1-800-BRAILLE. That's 1-800-272-4553. Thank you for listening to Braille Institute's Sound Solutions.